0: Hello and welcome to the District Podcast from The Spectator World. I'm Managing Editor Matt McDonald. Joining me today, we have Robbie Suave, who is the host of Rising on Hill TV, and he's also a Senior Editor at Reason. Robbie has actually written for our most recent edition of our magazine, our February edition. He's written about Dungeons and Dragons, but he's here to discuss a different story, one that is potentially of even greater interest to spectator listeners. Hello, Robbie. How's it going?
1: Going great. Nice to talk to you. Regrettably, not about Dungeons and Dragons, our favorite subject, but good to be with you nevertheless.
0: Okay. So um, your cover story for, I believe it's your March edition for Reason Magazine, concerns Facebook and the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. Tell us about your story and, and why it's significant.
1: Sure. This is being published, obviously, in the wake of the Twitter files, which revealed an enormous amount of pressure from government agents and bureaucrats onto social media companies, onto Twitter to restrict uh, content relating to elections, relating to Hunter Biden, relating to COVID, etc. And, and my magazine... St- pieces about the larger legal battle to discover whether that's even constitutional. At some point, does this pressure become so overwhelming that it actually violates the First Amendment, even if they're not literally forcing these companies to do anything? But I focused on a bunch of emails I obtained, messages exchanged between the CDC and Facebook, or Meta, the parent company of Facebook, over the course of the pandemic that I think are really interesting, really illustrative. Really tell us a lot more than we than we knew previously about how frequent, how constant the, these conversations were, how much of what you were allowed to discuss about COVID vaccines, mitigation, et cetera, on Facebook and on Instagram, it was being vetted and approved by the CDC on an almost daily basis at points. I thought that was interesting and of of something that our readers and really everyone should be aware of it. maybe you agree with it maybe you think it's fine i think a lot of people will have questions about whether that was a a good move and whether that is you know part and parcel with the pressure put on twitter to uh, really make some some stupid decisions with respect to content moderation
0: okay excellent can you give us some examples of the uh, the types of questions that you know meta's content moderation team were asking the cdc to kind of weigh in on
1: Sure. Routinely, they would send lists of whatever the most viral claims or stories on the platform were relating to COVID or vaccines or masks. And they would say, well, you know, what do you think about this? And a lot of them were crazy things were, you know, totally conspiracy stuff that the CDC and anyone else would have said, yeah, that's made up. That's nonsense. But you know they asked about they asked about is there evidence for harm to to children during the period when they're trying to improve uh, the the FDA is considering approving the vaccines for younger people. They asked about the lab leak origins, and the CDC said, well, it's extremely unlikely, but you know it is actually technically possible. And then Facebook kind of reported to the CDC. Just, you know, what people were talking about all the time when when Fauci was being mocked for kind of changing his position on mass or, or even double masking. And it, that was going viral. They let the CDC know about it. Hey, heads up. Fauci's coming under a lot of criticism. They referred to the CDC as their colleagues. I mean, this was a remarkable level of cooperation. If you have any you know, criticism of, of how the CDC behaved by the pan- throughout the pandemic, and, and I certainly do, I, I think you might be a little perturbed at, at how much w- was ju- it was just wholesale being outsourced to the CDC, what you were allowed to say and discuss on Facebook.
0: About a month ago, I had Emma J. Morris, now of Breitbart, of the New York Post on the podcast, who obviously broke the Hunter Biden story, which caused a, a similar kind of situation with regards to content moderation at Facebook and at Twitter. And her... Description of what the Twitter files had revealed, with relation specific relation to her story, was it was basically like a tech company has outsourced its content moderation system to the government. So it's not, you know, it's not state control. It's not, you know, state control of the media in like an authoritarian sense. But it was almost on a voluntary basis. Is your your story demonstrates a similar thing?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's very similar, but we have to. We don't know how voluntary it is because at the same time that they're they're having these conversations, you know, in in emails or and they had constant telephone conferences. I, you know, I couldn't see transcripts of those. I, I would love to hear what went on in those conversations. But at the same time, that's happening in public, Democratic political figures, including Joe Biden, the president of the country, are railing against social media companies for not restricting more COVID content. Joe Biden in July of 2021 accused Facebook of literally killing people, killing people. Those are the words he used because they were not promoting pro-vaccine content enough. So, you know, these companies are private companies. They can craft whatever speech-related policies they want. They don't have to platform your speech if they disagree with it. They don't. They just don't. You can't make them. But the question is... Did the government make them feel like they had to take certain actions or they were going to be, face punitive regulation or something else? Because at one point, a, a, a Biden deputy press person said, went on TV and said, yeah, if they don't do more about COVID misinformation, we are going to tweak the regulations that have to do with their liability protection and we're going to make them pay for that. And Demo- Democratic political figures like Elizabeth Warren and a, and a bunch of other ones. And, in fact, also Republican political figures for opposite reasons. But they're also always threatening these social media companies. So does it feel like a choice to these companies? Did Twitter feel like it had a choice, you know, when it's being told, you're destroying democracy. You're, you're allowing Russian influence campaigns all over the platform. Because we see in the Twitter files that there is actually a lot of times at the beginning where Twitter pushed back where, you know, Twitter got a message from the FBI saying, we want you to take action here. And Twitter says, yeah, we're looking at this. We we don't think this is significant or we don't think this is Russian origin or this is an account no one has seen. It doesn't matter. And then they they get s- such a volume of communications from the FBI that eventually and, and also, you know, co- vaguely threatening behavior like, well, we're going to well, how, how would Congress feel about your insufficient commitment to defending democracy? Eventually, the platforms fall in line. So I, I certainly think Facebook with with the CDC and COVID stuff was much more a willing participant or sounds like a willing participant. But maybe they're just a hostage. Maybe they're just a very convincing hostage. And that's what we should be asking ourselves.
0: Let's uh, be, uh, be charitable for a second, which I'm sure, you know, both of both you and I are obviously inclined to do. Say, you know, the, the pandemic was a time of great uncertainty. There was, as you, you know, as you point out, a lot of misinformation flying around in this circumstance where Facebook, you know, Meta, one of the biggest corporations in the world, doesn't feel like it's in a position to, you know, rule on what is and isn't misinformation, what is and isn't, you know, unsafe to share. What do you think they should have done in like an ideal situation rather than just going straight to the government?
1: I mean I think they should have listened to a, a variety of opinions and recognized that on some of these topics there are look on on some of these topics yeah there's crazy stuff that again the CDC and everyone else would have said yeah that's insane but I I think they would have allowed a healthier debate I mean there there was a year long period where you couldn't you couldn't say anything about a a la, the lab leak theory for the origin of covid on Facebook you couldn't say a thing about it there are real questions. You know, I'm not. I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all. I'm vaccinated myself. I think it's a good choice, especially for immunocompromised and older people. But there, I think, are valid questions about the trade-offs for younger people. Not because I think it's particularly dangerous for them, but because I don't think it, it's not necessarily a particular benefit either. There are questions that even the CDC now has about whether data was withheld if for uh, approving the m- most recent boosters. Do we benefit from an environment where, behind closed doors, Facebook outsources all uh, very, very totalizing content moderation decisions to a government bureaucracy that screwed up a lot of elements of the pandemic? That that really screwed up testing in in, in the beginning of the pandemic. That I I think totally misinterpreted the evidence for mass mandates in schools at various phases. I I think that's kind of alarming, and at least something Americans should be more aware of, because this was this was a really unprecedented level of communication. This, what we're seeing with the FBI and Twitter, D- did people imagine that federal bureaucrats are talking to these companies every single day, flagging content every single day, checking which topics are viral every single day? That's Again, that's remarkable to me.
0: I think it's fair to say that the CDC does have an interest in what's viral, but usually on a different basis.
1: I am. Yeah,
0: I I mean, it it throws up loads of really interesting questions. I think there's also, you know, the wider conversation about the almost triangulation between like what's acceptable to discuss and publish and talk about. And there's like a triangulation between the social media, the the traditional media and and the government. Right. With particularly relations like the lab leak theory. You had people in, you know, on Substack and like data scientists not in the media talking about that in like a serious scientific way prior to, you know, 2021. But it wasn't. I don't think it became like an acceptable part of public discourse until Catherine Eban at Vanity Fair writes that big long feature, rounding up frankly a lot of stuff that the that those guys have been talking about anyway. And only then did it come you know full circle enough to be an acceptable thing to ask questions about in congress and to then be an acceptable thing to discuss on social media with a lot of these questions as well like you know the i feels like the with the pandemic thankfully seems to be you know lulling somewhat and you know as wave after wave becomes less effective but i i think one of the overwhelming like you know People often say, like, "Oh, you'll we'll never know until we look back in history." Like the, all of the effects that the pandemic had on society, I think that's true. But I think that one one side effect which we can see most immediately is the impact that it had on free speech, and is the impact that it had on you know the referees jumping off the touch tr- jumping off the touchline and and calling make play calls for one side rather than the other on on these uncertain issues such as you know well, not so much vaccines, but like the lab leak theory and potential side effects from vaccines. I'm wondering, you know, they, Facebook and Twitter often will spend money in DC sponsoring newsletters saying we want to be regulated in some way, right? We don't want to, you know, I, I I can recall times last year when they sponsored, for example, Politico's playbook email and said we we approve some kind of government regulation of us because they don't feel as companies that they can do they they can are uh, you know faithful enough arbiters to actually rule on these issues more carefully like what what going forward is do we kind of expect to come as like a resolution or like a better status quo between that you know that relationship between big tech media companies that are dependent on big tech and the government
1: yeah i think that's very much a, a trojan horse and actually facebook yes you're right has said we would like to be, it's time for regulations to be updated. We should be regulated. Twitter has fought the regulations that Facebook itself has proposed for obvious reasons, because the regulations would make it so that social media platforms have to do more content moderation. Facebook is a much bigger company than Twitter. It has a lot more users. It also employs many, many more content moderators. So it's a little bit like, you know Walmart supports raising the minimum wage, not out of the goodness of their heart, but because it drives all the like local mom and pop stores out of business and is ultimately good for their bottom line. There's a similar thing at play. also, you know Facebook, with its lobbying efforts, it's very well connected. It probably thinks people close to it would staff the the regulatory commissions that are conceived to make these decisions, et cetera. I, I think I think the regulatory road is is actually very bad and would exacerbate a lot of the problems I'm talking about. I mean the the main regulation this is the section two thirty which immunizes the web platforms against some liability, and both Republicans and Democrats are very eager to get rid of it Democrats because they want to punish the companies for not restricting enough content and Republicans because they want to punish the companies for restricting too much content but the end of, at the end of the day the the effect of uh increasing the liability on these companies for speech that appears on their platforms the obvious effect will be that they take down more content if if you, right now, you can't sue Facebook if I say something libelous in, in, like, a Facebook comment. You could sue me, but not Facebook. If you change that, well, what are they, the first thing they're going to do is, is get rid of the ability to post at will, right? They'll have to vet all comments, or at least there'll be verified users of some kind of two-tier system. I, I don't think that will benefit contrarian or provocative or pro-free speech people whatsoever. The Internet right now is, is much more favorable to uh, unfettered dialogue because the regulations are very light. Now, the, the the bureaucrats have stepped in and tried to do this pressure campaign in part for that reason. The pressure campaign is what I think advocates of free speech have to fight. That involves reigning in the FBI, reigning in the CDC, not, you know, not fighting. A lot of people want to fight big tech, but that is going to be a lot harder to do and also have, I think, some side effects that could actually make the problem worse. So I, I would urge us to like fight big government and not big tech or f- fight big government's efforts to influence big tech rather than just complaining all day about what Facebook and what Twitter are doing. Because even though it's often bad, like it's, it's what we're learning is it is at the behest of government and we can constrain government.
0: So who's going to solve the problem, which is, you know, your piece is centered on? Is it gonna, it's gonna have to be the, you know, the meta oversight board or like what, like how, if it's not the government stepping in, then who's who's going to do it?
1: Well, the, these companies, I would like if they push back. Elon Musk has indicated he would push back if he was in the same place that the, the previous leadership had been when they, they got these uh, messages from Twitter. And and to be clear, a lot of people at Twitter did initially uh, push back, including Yoel Roth, who is this very kind of maligned content moderator figure in the Twitter files. I, I hope Facebook would do the same in the future or else, look, Congress, Republicans, they want to do something about this. There should be, they could pass a law, again, to constrain the regulators. They could make it illegal or inappropriate to be fired if you're a CDC or an FBI bureaucrat who is just flagging content violators all day. Like, don't they have better things to do with their time? What, what, the CDC could have moved a little quicker on approving tests. The FBI gets, like, tipped off about dangerous mass shooter-type individuals all the time, and they don't, they, they don't do anything about it. We always find out... The the person of interest was well known to the FBI and they didn't do anything. Maybe they have better ways to spend their time than being too online and like looking for for people who are posting like vaguely ridiculous things and saying, oh, it's Russia, please do something. Like, that's not what I want my government employees doing with their time. That would be my advice.
0: Well, Robbie, thank you so much for your time. Where where can people watch your show?
1: Sure, it's called Rising. It's produced by The Hill and it's available on YouTube. Just check out The Hill's channel and you can follow me on Twitter. It's just my name and read my work at reason.com.
0: Amazing. Well, Robbie Suave, thank you very much for your time. I just want to say one more time, Robbie is in our February edition of the magazine. Podcast listeners can get a 20% discount off their first year of all subscriptions if they input the, pod, the code podcasts when they subscribe. Just a plug for that. If you want to read Robbie about Dungeons and Dragons, then that's uh, that's on our website coming out soon. Robbie, thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of The District, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Spectator World is the American edition of the world's oldest magazine. To read more content on similar topics, please visit spectatorworld.com.